0: Welcome to the uh, what service? Ten. That's one. Welcome to the ten a.m. service. If you are new here, uh, my name is Pastor Aaron Lucas. It is awesome that you're here. Uh, it is incredibly. Uh, my wife and I just. Uh, it's a privilege that you're here in the in this atmosphere together. And uh, it is uh, just see, it's cool to see what God is doing. And uh, as we step into the next school year, as we move into a new season. Here in Northern Colorado, what God is doing, so it is a privilege that you are here. Um, we are uh, stepping into this month into a new series called Elephant in the Room. Everybody say Elephant in the Room. And so we're going to really address some hard cultural topics. Uh, you as a, uh, as a body sent through uh, some, some questions, we rallied together as leadership, and we prayed, and uh, we really want to bring forth uh, really some cultural topics that are in our face as a nation and how we as Christians respond and uh, how we get educated, equipped, and empowered uh, to be the light, to be the salt, to be the love of God in this hour, in this generation. And um, so today's message, uh, the title of today's message is called The War for Our Sexuality. The War for Our Sexuality. And so uh, just a, there is some mature content um, so if you do have your kids in here and you wish them to go into our, our incredible Holy Spirit-filled kids ministry, uh, you are more than welcome to do that right now. But uh, we will be talking about some mature content. And uh, we also need to know that our kids are at the very forefront of this attack. And so our kids need to know about this and, um, and to be educated and equipped with what God says. Amen? So let's dive in together. Let's pray and let, welcome the Holy Spirit. So Father, we thank you for your presence in here. We thank you that you are We're going to continue, Lord, to just uh, unpack, unveil, restore, bring freedom, Lord, to every one of our our hearts, our lives. Lord, uh, Lord, Lord, your presence uh, establishes the spirit of the Lord, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome more and more in this place, in this hour, to just transform us, uh, Lord, into a greater sense of your likeness, to become more like you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said Recently I was watching a video of the actor Jack Black and he was on the talk show host Conan O'Brien. And uh, they had a little series that they were a guitar dueling series. So Jack Black had his uh, acoustic guitar out, and Conan O'Brien had his electric guitar out, and they were dueling. And then all of a sudden, Conan O'Brien decides to take it up a level and starts, you know, finger tapping and going hard on some blues riffs. And then uh, uh, Jack started going, hold on, something's wrong here. So he turns around and he pulls the curtain aside, and all of a sudden, behind the curtain, lo and is the great musician Slash from the band and Guns N' Roses. So Slash was doing all of the guitar parts that Conan O'Brien was faking. So in the same way, today we're about to pull the spiritual curtain aside in this Elephant in the Room series. And uh, in our first conversation, we want to bring light to what is happening in our nation around the topic of sexuality looking behind the spiritual curtain and revealing really the demonic agenda of sexual perversion that's in our nation that is blatantly pushing their agenda specifically at our children. First and foremost, this when we bring the word of God, it is to encourage, it is to edify, it is to equip you as believers to face these certain scenarios, the scriptures that are unveiled to unpack or for you to study, to go a way yourself to research, to pray, and to empower uh, with the spirit of God to step into a place of saying, God, we want to be a part of uh, raising up an army of what God is doing in truth and in love. I must make a public statement before we start. This public statement is in no way, shape or form do we hate anyone living in a homosexual lifestyle. In no way, shape or form do we hate anybody that's transitioning their gender or thinking about it or have already done it. In no way, shape, or form do we condemn. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no shame. Do we not condemn those that are trapped in the prison of pornography or those that are in this room and maybe, uh, man, there's a sense of, I'm I'm fornicating. I'm having sex outside of marriage, which which is not God's design. But we need to declare to you right now that we will not change the Bible to fit our culture, to be accepted by our culture, and to be loved by our culture. We don't want to be applauded by a culture under the influence of demons and rejected by Jesus because we did not make a stand. We are not the generation that's going to bash you with what we're against. It's not about bashing and bashing. And here's the word of God. We're against this. We're against this. Because if we just lift up Jesus and declare, this is what we are for, all men draw unto him and unto his salvation, his goodness, his mercy, and his saving, saving power. Amen. So today, turn with me to Jonah 1, Jonah 1, 1 to 2. And uh, I'm going to bring this story wrapped uh, over the next couple of weeks. This is going to be one of the stories that we want to weave, uh, what the content is, but also bring an encouraging parallel to what God has done and what he is about to do right in our midst and right in our nation. Uh, If you haven't read the story of Jonah recently, maybe you haven't gotten to Jonah in your one year uh, Bible reading plan. Uh, If you're maybe stuck on day 47 and you keep, uh, you know, like me, you keep going, hey, update me from 47 to 97 and just catch me up. But uh, in the book of Jonah, we're witnessing a man just like you, just like me, could have been a woman, but called by God. But yet he was hesitant. There was something about he was called to do something very confrontational. Very bold, but the man of God decided to run away from the presence of God and the call of God, hesitated, found himself on the sh- ship in a storm. Later he find himself, he goes, hey, I'm the, I'm the problem. I need to turn things around. So he, th- so he threw himself off the ship. Always, obviously we know three days in the belly of a whale, et cetera, et cetera, found himself on the shore, finally stepped into a place of answering the call. Jonah 1, 1 to 2 says this, now with the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of the Amittai saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. Now the word of not man, now the word of, not soci- sociological constructs, no, the word of God came up and spoke to the man to raise up Jonah, a prophet, during a time of great distress. He was to confront the city of Nineveh. The city of Nineveh was found itself in, in, in lies and robbery and deceit and prostitution and witchcraft. Uh, the, the people of Nineveh were worshiped the Syrian goddess of sex named Ishtar. In other words, if you can go see the ruins of Nineveh still today in Iraq, uh, this place where a man by the name of Serendopolis ruled. Here was a man, yet he lived as a woman, and history tells us that he was a cross-dresser. He wore makeup. Uh, he tried to pitch his voice high to the, to the sound of his favorite female concubines. He committed physical fornication with uh, males and females every single day up until the point where uh, he committed suicide by setting himself on fire uh, with with his male and female lovers. And we look at the parallel for what's happening uh, in Jonah and Nineveh compared to today, our culture is not so different. the, the, The same Satan has always been about distorting God's creation, literally at war with God's design. If we look to ancient Israel, it happened there when Ahab became king. And all of a sudden, uh, instead of marrying uh, someone in Israel, he went outside of the walls and married a Phoenician princess named Jezebel. Jezebel brought in all of her gods, brought in Baal, brought in uh, Ishtar, brought in Moloch, brought in all these gods. And in and, and Baal, his, his, his idea is, hey, let's get God out of Israel. If we can get God out of Israel, we can re- redefine what good and evil is. We can redefine what right is. We can, we can anchor people. We can uh, take the anchor out of the truth of who God is. And we can re anchor people in a reality of whatever you want to anchor into is real and truth. We rebel against God, which means that we no longer ha- have His final authority. He does no longer decide what is good for us. He's not our Lord, He's not our boss. And anytime you get rid of God, you begin to act like God. And as God, you make rules as you go. This is right. This is wrong. This is good. And this is that, and this is that. And the culture has been redefined. And Israel was chosen by God to represent God, to bring forth the Son of Man uh, to the world. Uh, And they they were just hammered, one God after another, to challenge, to dethrone the one true God. Uh, Canaanites, Amorites, Perizzites, the Philistines, they all had one thing in common. A lot of them had idols that they worshiped. And in their worship of idols, they always mixed sex and idolatry. If you look at the history of paganism, you will see that sexuality and occult go together. Always. So why does Satan so interested in our sexuality? Because sexuality is the most sacred and the most core thing about you. There's an article that said, what are the five parts of sexuality, sexualization, intimacy, sensuality, sexual identity, sexual health, and reproduction. You see this sacredness of sexuality was meant for your spouse and your spouse alone, not for kids, not for friends, not for family, it is the deepest, most sacred part of who you are. God used the word know with Adam and Eve to know each other. In other words, have a sexual uh, lifestyle together, meaning to know somebody at the deepest core of who they are. It's sacred, it's to be protected. It's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be sheltered. It's supposed to be shielded from the world and all of the attacks of the enemy. And that's why it's not a surprise that teachers are teaching our kids about anal sex about homosexuality. Uh, we, we've spoken this testimony before. This lady gave a testimony at our CIT night and on Thursday, uh, the last Thursday of every month. But she shared that her nine to 10 year old daughter was in a little circle in her classroom and the teacher was asking them each how they felt. And they said, the one, between one and 10, how do you feel right now? She felt really sad. So the teacher then began to ask her, you're feeling sad because you're feeling suicidal. Isn't that right? And so the, the kid goes, well, what is suicide? So she then begins to describe what a suicide is to this nine or 10 year old in this, in this classroom. Uh, this, and then the, the, the conversation goes on and the teacher goes, oh, I get it. You're suicidal because you don't want to be a girl. You want to transition to a boy. This is the type of battle that we face. This is what's right in front of us. The devil wants to disturb, distort, and confuse humanity, and especially sexuality. Because if he can get the the corruptedness of Ishtar, the goddess of sex, to nationally deceive an entire nation, doesn't mean that you and I individually are possessed, but it does mean that an entire uh, nation can come under the fog of this deception. And if we come under the fog of this deception, it will one day lead to our destruction. Look at Rome. Look at Greece. Greece. there is nation after nation Germany Russia on their way to coming to this place and if not confronted if not men and women become a Jonah people to rise up as a righteous remnant to stand up in such a time to know the word of God to know the, the discerning of the spirit of God and to walk in truth and in love and confront a wicked uh, generation that is not it's not about the person it's about the demonic gender that is behind what is infiltrating this nation come on the, the days of of the church are uh, the best days of the church are upon us the best days of your days are upon you and that God wants to do in and something in and through you you see today it's no different there's a war that's taking place in our culture a war of sexual perversion sexual immorality a war of indoctrination of our children a war of spiritual principalities seeking to push anti-biblical values a celebration of sinful sinful behaviors parading it Drag shows, drag show stories, trying to normalize sexuality of any single kinds. You see, it's, a, it's just a seed. They can just get a seed planted in our children. It will cause a crisis of identity in our nation, which it is. It's a sense of you can, ex- you can sexually explore all you want. You can sexually exploit all you want. This a demonic agenda is very persistent. It's in our entertainment. It's playing out in pop culture. It's playing out in the corporate America, public policy, politics, education. But my Bible says that we are not to be blind to the spiritual reality that is taking place. Ephesians 6 says that this is not a war against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. It's against powers, authority, thrones, dominion, world rulers, evil, spiritual forces in heavenly places that are behind this agenda. A principality is is becomes a principality because it gains its status by the sins of the people that they rule over. So if we open the door, we give it. You see, the God of Egypt, Egyptians gave over their lifestyle to the, to the God of Egypt, that principality in Exodus 12. 12. Uh, the prince of Persia, Daniel 10, 13, that, he was, the, that was the principality that, was, that withstood Daniel as he fasted and prayed and eventually broke through. Daniel 10, the prince of Greece. But you and I come to this place because we can stand on the firm revelation and the truth that our Jesus didn't just lay in a grave, un, uh, uh, unenabled to do anything about what is taking place. But Colossians two fifteen says, "Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle over them, tri- o- triumphing over them in it." Today, we can say nothing is going to separate us from the love of God. Nothing is going to separate us. And as as you believe in Christ, guess what? You're automatically enlisted into the army of God, and you're now engaged in this cosmic spiritual conflict on this earth. You are a righteous remnant, and do not be deceived. This is not an LGBTQ thing seeking uh, their rights. It's not just a transgender thing seeking their rights. It's not just a a plague of prostitution or pornography or human trafficking. There is a demonic agenda behind this. We have to let the Holy Spirit unveil our eyes to see what is going on in our world. Why is it that we have one day to celebrate our military and we have a whole month to celebrate pride? Why is it we have one day to celebrate the birth of Jesus but we have one month to celebrate perversion? We have one day to celebrate Jesus' resurrection, but we have one month dedicated flags waved in celebration of something that the Bible is very clear about. This is not an iffy topic in the Bible if you study it. It's a very clear topic. San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus parody song says this, and although a parody that you can find truth in any humor, it says this, you think we will corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked? Funny, funny. You're correct. We will convert your children. It happens bit by bit, quietly and subtly. You will barely notice it. We're coming for your children. The gay agenda is here. Now, let me first and foremost say this. We love those that are in a homosexual lifestyle. I've grown up with friends. Uh, probably every decade I've had a friend either going through it, living in it, or battling, uh, battling away from it. You guys gotta understand, this is not a political issue. This is a principality issue that we face in our nation. Demons and principalities are wanting to overthrow anything that God is doing on this earth. And, what they want, and the enemy wants to look at our kids. Everything's focused on our children. Why? They wanna indoctrinate our kids because kids are like wet cement. They're like sponges. They'll just receive anything. That's why schools government, Disney, the programmer for Disney, if you didn't already know, uh, publicly stated, you can go look it up, publicly stated that our agenda is to put as much queerness into every Disney show and every Disney movie. This is an attack upon our children to plant seeds of confusion. Why? So they do not know God or put their trust in God and put their trust in this cultural propaganda that is against what God has said, but he loves us so much that he has said, hey, this is forbidden territory. There is a war for your sexuality. This is why I've given you territory. This is why that I've given you this place. Why? Because I am a good God and this is evil. This may be bad. The enemy wants to come in and say, did he really say that? is this really the truth? You should try to do things opposite. You should try to to redefine what good and evil is. And we're here to declare, guys, what the the devil deceived in the Garden of Eden, that same deception is right here in the United States of America. Our nation has slowly been moving from Christianity back to pagan worship. From the 1960s to the sexual revolution, the, the plague of pornography, what we see in human trafficking, sexual perversion, abortion, it's a de-Christianization. It's a turning from monotheism. Monotheism is the belief in a one true God. You see Russia turned, England turned, or Germany turned, England is now 98% declared atheist. There's there's a reversal taking place that Jonathan declares. Uh, He says in his book, Return of the Gods, he's an incredible rabbi, teacher, and he says this, he says, that literally, uh, you, if you pull the spiritual curtain back, you can see the parallel of the ancient gods that were to the ancient gods that have now returned to the, the sense he calls them a, a dark trinity. The dark trinity, we talked about it, Baal, Ishtar, Moloch, and even Moloch's job, it was the worst of the worst. He was the, he was the one that was meant to uh, ask parents to sacrifice their children at the altar. So in other words, uh, abortion in that sense, uh, think about this, humanity, why would the Mayans... With no possible geographic communication, Mesopotamia, Egyptians, all had practices to sacrifice the unborn. The Torah was the first book that said God does not approve of child sacrifice. And today, our nation, more than any time in history, has aborted 60 million plus babies at the altar of Moloch. And the altar of Moloch, his headquarters, is in Planned Parenthood. You need to understand this is a battle that is a war. It's a spiritual war coming against us. It's a, it's a national possession. And the question is, if you're not giving yourself to God, who are you giving yourself to? Bob Dylan said, you have to serve somebody. Man is not made to be secular. Man is made to worship. And this, this national possession, especially with Ishtar, where she, this is what you, they describe her. I'm a woman. I'm a man. I have power to turn man into women, women into men. I feminize men, I emasculate men. I dress up men as women in our temple. I surgically transition the priests from men to women. And the question is, could she actually possess an entire nation? Guess what she was in charge of? She was in charge of parades. She was in charge of men parading in city streets. Guess what? Parallel from then till now, it's back. And she declared this one month back then, This one month is particularly mine and I'm going to declare myself the God of pride. And this, this month is going to be called pride month. St. Jerome himself said this identifies her month linked to the altering of gender. The Latin word unium is where we get the word June. So in other words, on June 26th, 2015, the parallel strikes the United States of America. President Obama and the U.S. Supreme Court strike down all state bans on same-sex marriages. The White House is lit up with the rainbow and the Hebrew, biblical, and Babylonian calendar of the 10th of the month of Tammuz. That day was appointed from ancient times to ordain to cast a spell to cause a man to love another man. It's right before us. It's right in front of us. Is there hope? Without the presence of God, there's no hope. If the church doesn't return back to where it's supposed to be, to the presence of God, the spirit of God is needed for the righteous remnant to rise in this time. And just let me tell you, we are in the end times. We are going to look upon some really tough subjects in the next coming months, or next coming months, next coming weeks but pagan culture is back, but we're here to declare that the church is returning into its rightful place in love and the resurrection power of Christ and stepping into a place that we are the agent of change. The answer for our city, for our region, is a righteous remnant rising up with one word on their lips to see Jesus bring revival to our city. And the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah because of the circumstance, the wickedness, the depravity, the sickness. And when, even when it seemed untouchable, unchangeable, it, it, I feel so hopeless with what's going on. God is always saying there's a God-sized solution that I have in store. Even if I have to work through a man and woman that's hesitating, that's doubting a little bit, that may run a little bit, I still can bring forth because when my word releases from my mouth it will go and accomplish that which it's meant to fulfill because it's living it's sharp it's breathing it came to change Jonah's time and it's come to change our time can I get an amen Amen. so what is transgenderism now I understand if you're if you have a friend or you are dealing with this or you're in this place uh, this is a very very tough sensitive topic And let me just tell you, the last service was heavy. You can feel the heaviness in the room. Um, But uh, the, the Bible is very clear. Truth will set us free. And we are only taking what the Bible says. And you can take it to the Word of God. Because we want to today submit to a good God. We want to trust in His good plans and submit every one of our ideologies, our opinions, and our preferences to a good, perfect, absolute Word that God has given us. Amen. What is transgenderism? Since Genesis three, the devil has released a full blown assault on our identity to pervert the very image in which we bear. The devil hates the image of God. He wants to break down, defile, distort, confuse, and disrupt the very image in which God has given us. It's a beautiful image. It's pure, it's holy. But see, there's a sense of gender dysphoria that's taking place on our earth at the moment. The sense of gender dysphoria says, is a term that describes a sense of unease that a person may have because of a mismatch between their biological sex and their gender identity. New York Times is calling transgenderism the next civil rights movement. As of 2023, there are 107 gender identities as we speak right now. Last year, there was 80. It just keeps going on and on because Jesus is the only one that can fulfill a true identity. There's a 69-year-old man that now identifies as a 49-year-old man. There's a black man that now identifies as a white man. There's a man that spent $200,000, 14 surgeries just to become a tiger. He committed suicide and is no longer on this earth. This national deception that you don't have to anchor yourself in truth, that you can just anchor yourself in whatever reality you want. But we're here to say that Buddha said, I am seeking for truth. Muhammad said, I am the prophet of truth. But Jesus said, I am the truth. (laughs) We can stand firm today. Knowing that we are being prepared for such a time as this, that we have to define who are we going to identify with? Who are we going to worship as a church? And who are we going to submit to in this hour? There's a UK professor that got fired and arrested because he would not use transgender pronouns. There is a pronoun war that is upon us that we haven't even begun to have it knock on our front doors. The National Institute of Health right here in the US says this, Intentional refusal of using pronouns is equivalent to harassment harassment and violation of one's civil rights. At the University of Colorado, CU, it says this, using a person's pronouns is a person's most basic need to feel safe and exist in public spaces. The New York City official state website says this, property owners in the city will be fined $250,000 if they misuse impro- and use uh, pronouns improperly. It's upon us, Jordan Peterson studied dictatorship for 40 years. And he said this, they all started by people's attempts to control people's ideology and linguistic territory. What does that mean? In other words, if we can put a muzzle on the nation and stop their language and conform their language to ours and force people to start saying what they don't wanna believe. So in other words, as a Christian, inside of your heart, you don't believe that he is she or him and they, or that's a tiger or that's a cat just because they have cat ears on the top of their head. If we don't, if we don't agree with our pronouns, there could be opposition for that. Yet we believe in our heart, we We've got to stand and make a stand. 1.6 million Americans are now dealing with transgenderism. 5% of that is young adults. This gender is, is, is it's insane. The sense of uh, rapid onset gender dysphoria is what they're calling it. And especially amongst teenage girls. Uh, and this is what's crazy. This is what these teenage girls are saying. It is easier to become popular as a transgender than to win at sports. It is easier to become popular as a transgender to come out as someone that has, is really good at their, their classwork. John William Money was the father of gender identity. In 1921, he was a scientist who brought this all to, uh, to height. He had a few conclusions. The first is this, that gender is a learned social construct. The societal construct is malleable best at an early age. So in other words, if I can just put a seed, seed in the young hearts, in the young minds, then this can be malleable, this can be moldable, this could shape into something. His second conclusion was this, was that, that there's a sense of positive pedophilia this positive pedophilia was one, one way was a sadistic pedophilia. This is sadistic pedophilia, someone that's forceful, that could be uh, aggressive, that could end up in murder. But there's also one that the, the society needs to accept. It's called uh, romanticized parental love. That's appropriate for these sexual attractions between uh, adults and children. So what does a Christian do? Let me challenge you parents in this place. Firstly, you must teach your children the word of God. You must not uh, derail it to someone else or or delegate it to someone else. It must be taught in your home. and, 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 And also importantly, you must bring your kids to the house of God. Your kids must be immersed in the Word of God. We must build our kids, like it says with Abraham, in righteousness and in justice. Not this, not this greasy Christianity with a, with a sense of, not, not the fullness of the entirety of the truth, but we are gonna have to start to ask the, ask the question, who am I gonna identify with, who am I gonna worship, and who am I gonna serve and submit my life to? Who is gonna be the Lord of my life? Because you and I are gonna have to walk in peace and truth. And Martin Luther said this, peace if possible, Truth at all costs. Human trafficking, the same thing. The slavery that's upon us. God, let us help us not succumb to the ignoring of the problem and, and fail the one. God, we can make a difference. We can be the righteous remnant. So what about homosexuality? Very sensitive, untalked topic in the church today. And I might be canceled. You may not, never come back to church. But I love you. And this is what the word of God says. Firstly, God is not guilty for making somebody a gay, a gay person because we were all born sinners. Part of being born sinners is that we are born in proclivity. We were born committing sin. Every single person, whether it's homosexual, trapped in the prison of pornography, a murderer, every single person must be born again. Genesis 2.24 Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and, and be joined to his wife. They shall become one flesh, starting the original standard. Hebrews 13:4, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So in other words, I've created my image, but I'm showing you, this, is, this, is, this will be judged. There will be a judgment towards this lifestyle. Homosexual practice brought disastrous judgment of God upon the cities of Saddam and Gomorrah. Genesis 19, four, verse eight. Now, before they laid down, the men of the city, the men of Saddam, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house and they called to Lot and said to them, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind them and said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this, this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof." This, this place was judged for its homosexuality. The, the behavior. You see, we, we, we in no right can judge the value of a human. There's no way, we cannot do that. But God has called you and I to confront the, the behaviors that are not of God. In, in your brothers, and your sisters, and even in the New Testament, Jude 7 says this, in a similar way, wrapping up Saddam and Gomorrah and the surrounded towns gave themselves up for sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. 2 Peter 2, 6, if he condemned the cities of Saddam and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. You see the, the judgment... Yes, back then it's the and Gomorrah, but now 80% of the AIDS victims are homosexuals and AIDS brings the judgment of premature death. The average age of homosexual men who die of AIDS is 39 years of age. Only 1% of gay men live to be 65 or older and gay men are three times more likely to have alcohol and drug related issues. The third thing is this, is that it says homosexuality is an abomination to God. Now in our culture, it's celebrated, celebrated in the streets, on the media, right in front of us blatantly, but it started in Leviticus 18.22, God says, it it says you shall not lie with the male as with the woman, it's an abomination. Leviticus 20.13, it says if a man lies with the male as with the woman, both of them committed an abomination. So what our culture calls pride, God calls an abomination. And the Bible prohibits us from having sex with seven different, uh, different types. Don't have sex with your parents. Don't have sex with children. Don't have sex with siblings. Don't have, uh, don't have sex with another spouse, with animals or with dead people. It is very, very clear. And you might say, well, God, you know, it, it, it's not going to tell me what you're not going to tell me what to do with my body. This is my body. Well, actually he, is and can tell you what to do with your body because he is the creator of your body and he knows best what you should do with your body and if you want to live in his blessings if you want to please god then this is the area that you have to submit surrender repent uh, renounce and turn to god in such an incredible way homosexuality in romans 1 if we want to continue to go to new testament because that's the conversation i've heard a lot is that it's not in the new testament it's not in the new testament Homosexual behavior is condemned as vile and shameful. This is the Apostle Paul in Romans 1 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, all the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Giving them up to their shameful passions. Doesn't say honorable passions, doesn't say good passions, doesn't say uh, proud passions, it says vile passions. In other words, it's an exchange of who God is for the lie. It's an exchange in this moment. Now, for those people who say that the Bible is silent in the New Testament concerning this, it's right here, right here in front of us. And it doesn't say as we, God gives us up. It doesn't say God gives up on us. No, it's God gives us up to our own passions and we become prisoners of those passions, God's saying, "Well, I, I, I told you, but now you're just doing it. You're just going forth. I'm, I, I can't. I'm patient. I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the prayers. I'm gonna tr- try to get your attention, but this is all I can do because we are now no longer control of ourselves. We're now control of our urges and our idolatry. And right here, and uh, our urges and our, di- uh, our, de- our desires become this sense of idolatry. And idolatry is what it comes down to—worship. Adam and Eve." Adam and Eve, in the beginning of Genesis, it talked about the Lord God, the Lord God, the Lord God. But then all of a sudden, the devil was able to remove Lord. So then it became just God. God, if I can just remove the Lordship out of your life, you will start to redefine what is good and evil. You'll start to redefine what is moral. We will start to redefine what grace, the greasy grace to tear down and water down the the Bible. If we water down sin, we water down what our Savior did at Calvary. We water down what his blood accomplished for mankind. What's wrong is when you step in this place, you start to worship you. In fact, it's not even you. You start to worship the lowest nature of you, your passions, your cravings. Your biology dictates what's right, dictates your theology. And that's exactly what's happening in Romans. We exchange the, who God is for this lie, We begin to build images of what worship is, but yet we erect a statue of ourselves. See, the issue is not the sin as much as the root of it. We don't understand this. The root is that we worship the creation instead of the creator. Instead of we should be worshiping the creator and enjoy creation. When we worship creation, we rebel against the creator and we will find good and evil distorted in such a time as this. It also says homosexuality is the practicing that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 10. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, notice notice the list. It's not about elevating one sin or the other. Notice the list, An, an abomination to God is also liars. He detests liars. So I asked the question to someone earlier at the ADM service, is there a difference between someone that white lies all the way up to the grave or someone that's practicing homosexuality? Sin is sin and sin needs to be called sin and the church needs to talk about it, but more so the church needs to talk about how the blood of Jesus covers sin, transforms you from the inside out. The list goes on and on. First Timothy 1.9 says this, We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality. And for the sexually immoral, how's how's that when Jesus says, if you just lust at someone, what a fine line. For those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders, and liars, and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Have you noticed that you can, you can be a genuine Christian? Like I said, I've had Christian friends battling with this, in this, falling back into this, coming out of it, repenting, just on their way. And I love, I love a church that is accepting because it's acceptance that helps someone come out of that darkness and into a place that hey, someone's willing to get in the trench of this life with me. Someone's willing to put their arm around me and love me and walk me through this very hard valley of the shadow of death that I've had to walk through. I never asked for these feelings. I didn't want these feelings, but now they're upon me. And and the reality is this is that there are Christians struggling with homosexual orientation and attraction and there's no sin against being tempted there's no sin but let me just tell you you cannot be a Christian and be a gay Christian Meaning somebody who accepts this, this is your lifestyle, you've justified it, you accepted it, you've distorted his truth, and you say, God made me like that, my friend. That is not what the word of God says. Christians don't identify with their sexuality, they identify with their spirituality. They don't let their issues, even if it's a same-sex attraction, become their identity. The unnatural attraction doesn't define you. The moment you begin to practice this behavior and call it who it is and that becomes your best friend, this is when you start to cross the line. And adding gay Christian, Two, your title is an oxymoron, just like saying a hating Christian is a Christian. it doesn't work, it cancels each other out, but you can be a Christian that struggles with homosexual tendencies just like you struggle with pornography, just like you struggle with your fiance where you slip it up. Oops, I shouldn't have done that. Get back on track, get accountable and and, and, and head towards the destination of our wedding day. You gotta understand, for too long, the church has just been against and tried to slam it in their face. And it's not about being on the street corners in the public square in front of the the, the city council uh, doors and, 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 and coming against this. It's about representing and representing Jesus to a very broken nation that's demonically has agenda behind it that is pushing this and destroying lives as we know it. And thank God there's transformation. Thank God there's testimony. Amen. And there's a lesbian She was one of the main activists and she had a radical encounter with Christ and she fully uh, surrendered her heart to Christ, renounced, uh, you know, got rid of whatever it needed to get rid of, got rid of the trauma, da, 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 actually became a pastor's wife. And she says this, God never said thou shall be heterosexual because the Lord your God is heterosexual. The Bible says thou shall be holy for the Lord God is holy. So it's holiness Not being heterosexual, that's our goal. It's important to keep that in mind. Our goal is not for every homosexual to become heterosexual. Our goal is for every homosexual, heterosexual, pansexual, omnisexual, asexual, whatever sexual, is to become holy, washed by the blood of Jesus. Because you can be heterosexual and commit fornication, commit adultery, and commit other sins that are not pleasing to God. Our God, our our goal is holiness. It's our God to say, God, purify the church. Purify my life. It's not about pointing the finger. It's about turning the finger back on me and saying, God, guys, I was, I was, I was in a place stuck in pornography for years. And I pray to God, help me, Jesus, take it away. Help me, Jesus, take it away. Only if prayer worked like that, and it does sometimes, I'm not gonna bash prayer in that that sense, but only if prayer worked that, it wasn't until I was on my knees and the Holy Spirit struck me and says, your remedy is true repentance. Your remedy is to lay down your life and repent and renounce and look to Jesus and, and, and put him back on the altar of your hearts. Back to that place and too long, the, the Christians have looked down on fornicators, looked down on, on people stuck in pornography, ugh, looked down on homosexuals, looked down on these people that are, that are transgendering and for too long, it's time to take that finger and turn it back on ourselves because righteous judgment starts in the house of God. If the house of God can't become the righteousness of God and start to work in a direction towards wholeness and purity and freedom, we're not gonna become the righteous remnant that sees revival, touch, play, taste, in, in the city of Lovelands. But what if it's possible? What if we step into a place? Step into a place, fire the keys out, that'd be awesome. You know, there's an incredible man of God, his name was Cy Rogers. He was from New Zealand, and if you've ever heard him speak, go and listen to some of his messages. Just one of the most incredible testimonies. And he grew up um, not sexually abused. He just grew up in a household full of women. And he tried to be the man. He tried to buy the cars. He tried to do this and that and play football and all these things. But he just grew up in a house full of women without the affection of of, of a loving father. And so all of his mannerisms are that of a gay man and he lived the homosexual lifestyle for years. Finally, finally, it was repentance that turned his life around. And this happened years and years ago. So there wasn't books, there wasn't podcasts, there wasn't YouTube clips, there wasn't anybody to talk about it, but a church, a group of men decided to put their arm around him and embrace him. A group of men decided to say, you're accepted, but we're not gonna let you stay who you are. A group of men that says, hey, I'm not just going to accept you. I'm going to walk with you. It's called discipleship. A group of men that says, hey, I'm going to remind you that your course of freedom is directly, directly anchored in a deep and radical obedience to Jesus Christ. And we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to walk it out and show you what that looks like. questions that came through was, I got a friend that affirms this. They, 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 they're all about it. They support it. And as Christians, love wants to support, of course. Love in every sense of the word wants to support. But let me just pose this question. If we affirm the lifestyles of homosexuals in the church, not just accept them to receive Jesus, but affirm their lifestyle as they accept Jesus and they can just stay who they are, we confirm that the gospel of Jesus Christ has no power unto salvation. The gospel of Jesus can't deliver. The gospel of Jesus can't transform. The gospel of Jesus is just words in a book that cannot do anything to the sin that's rampant in my life. So what do we do? As we look to wrap up, Jonah 1.3 talks about Jonah fleeing Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid for the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. The church for too long has hesitantly escaped. Hesitantly just said, hey, I'm not going to be a part of this conversation. I'm not going to be a part of this narrative. How could I possibly jump into this cosmic spiritual battle? It's too much for me. Our first step is this, is that you and I have to decide to stop running. You and I have to decide to stop and say God man, there's a generation that needs that needs that needs the needs to hear the blasting trumpets of the sound of the of the resurrection of Christ there is that there's hope in this world that despite the opposed opposition that's coming our way and how hopeless it may seem all it takes is a remnant of one person one person that's not perfect one person that's wrestling with doubt one person that actually ran away from the the presence of god one person to decide god this is what i am going to stand for the righteous remnant the most miserable you'll ever be is when you run away from the calling of god you are put on this earth for a high call of god you are formed in your mother's womb to accomplish it not one other thing will satisfy right here right in the middle and he was heading towards tarshish and tarshish equaled comfort it was convenient it was non-confrontational represented the flesh. The flesh craves the path of the least resistance. But God is saying the path of the least resistance rarely leads you to the direction of God's best. I I could have easily said no to this calling and planted myself in a red state where churches explode and we can do all this and that, but I, not for one second, Becky and I, not for one second, for the last eight years, have ever questioned that we are anointed for this time, we're appointed for this time, and there's no devil, there's no demon that is gonna chase us out because Northern Colorado is on the brink of revival. This is what God has called us to do, we're in a place that if we would just stand in an hour and push back, everybody say push back. Don't get me started. I don't have much time left. There must be a return of the righteous. 2 Corinthians five twenty one says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. Exemplified in Jesus Christ, He is perfect, He is pure, He is good, He is faithful, He is righteous in every sense of His character and nature. So when He puts it in the Word, the Bible even says in the book of Habakkuk that God's eyes are so pure that He cannot behold evil. It says, in the book of the, it says in the Bible that Jesus' scepter is the scepter of righteousness. And if the devil can't steal his scepter, then he's gonna try to steal and distort your identity grounded in the fact that you are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Jonah 1.4, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea and so that the ship was about to be broken up. Isn't it amazing that the enemy didn't send the wind? nature. Mother nature didn't send the wind. God sent the wind. There is a fresh wind of heaven that's blowing through this nation, that's blowing through this church, purifying and restoring and resurrecting into new life what God wants to do in and through his church, you and in me. We all know the story. The storm gets crazy. Jonah's asleep in the bottom of the ship. And the men freaking out because the storm just gets worse. They go downstairs, they shake Jonah. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? Go read it, Jonah 1, the rest of the chapter. And they finally realize when Jonah tells them, this is who I am and this is what I'm running away from, they go, oh man, it's all your fault. So Jonah wakes up and he goes in verse 12, oh my gosh, this is my fault. Rather than taking chances in the sea of obedience, rather than the boat of comfort, Jonah says, throw me overboard. Some of us need to make the decision, God, throw me overboard. It's time. My life needs to be thrown into the into the very depths of, of the harvest of God. Uh, the, um, the, my life needs to be thrown in the very uncomfortable waters of life, Lord, financially. Uncomfortable waters of life in, in a place of emotions. Uncomfortable waters of life in the place of, of, of confronting. Maybe there's something inside of me that God needs to deal with. God, throw me overboard. This boat of comfort is not for me anymore. It's time for me to step up as a righteous man or woman of God and begin to declare the goodness and the faithfulness of God and not be afraid to speak the truth. And this is what it says. Jonah 3, 3 to 5. Once Jonah gets off the boat, he's obviously in a whale for three days. Then he gets spit on the shore and finally makes his way to Nineveh. And this is where it begins. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. God desires mercy, not judgment. He needs to find a righteous remnant in this hour will you confront the hard topics of today will you not will you not delay your time in the in, in in the in the word of god preparing yourself for such a time as this to equip yourself not just to bash with truth but to be an example of love mercy and forgiveness to receive all and any that walk through these doors what's the plan for uh, loveland colorado Revival. What's the plan for our schools? Revival. I choose revival. I choose to be a Jonah person, living in a very Nineveh state. Living in this place, I choose to stop debating whether I'm running or not and to step up as a righteous man of God for such a time as this and say yes to anything that Jesus puts in front of us. Put your hands towards heaven. Father, I thank you for this house, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you, Father. None of this is possible without you, Holy Spirit. None of this is possible without a fresh, fresh immersion of your spirit right now, God, that enables us. Lord, in faith we receive that today. Lord, you've you've, you've spoken the word. Let the seeds bloom, God. Let the seeds just completely multiply and increase in our hearts of boldness. Lord, a a new zeal and hunger for truth. A new sense of, I wanna step into a greater uh, uh, lifestyle of righteousness, walking out who I'm designed to be in Christ that I am the righteousness of God. His very character, his very nature can manifest in my life. I have, I can have the mind of Christ that I don't have to wrestle with the devil's way of thinking and his ideas of what a good and evil is. You've already defined it. You've already showed us what is morality, what is sexuality, it's there in your word. And we submit to a very good God. Today we trust in a very good God's plans. And in Jesus' name, Lord, we, we submit and surrender our ideas, our opinions, and our preferences to a perfect and good word that comes from you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said. With every eye looking at me. I didn't even have to use the, the washcloth today. Now, every eye looking at me, If you don't know jesus christ as your lord and your savior online or in this room maybe you came with a family member or friends and you're questioning your salvation in christ or maybe you've never even heard of salvation what is this the bible says that jesus died for our sin and our shame that we couldn't do it ourselves god knew it so he had he had to send his one and only begotten son to walk that horrific path of calvary to put nails in his hands and his feet to to, to lay on the cross, his body brutally beaten to a point where you could not tell who he was so that he could breathe his last breath, die for humanity three days later, not lay dead in a grave, but be raised up so that humanity could experience the freedom of the free gift of salvation that we have in only Jesus Christ. It's not in New Age, it's not in Buddhism, it's not in uh, the Muslim beliefs, it's in Christ and in Christ alone. He's knocking on the door of your heart, every eye looking at me on the count of three. If that's you, maybe you've run away from God like Jonah and you wanna come back, or maybe this is your first time. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved count of three, if that's you, just raise your hand. We want to make sure everybody in this room has had an opportunity. One, two, three. That's you in this room. Just raise your hand online in this room. Make sure everybody in this place. Awesome. So good. Well, Lord, we just thank you for this house. Oh, the best days are ahead of us. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, that we will be carriers of righteous truth, the righteous remnant, ushering in the greatest revival of our day in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, let's give God one more shout of praise.